Welcome to the Gospel for Life. We have four Treasure Valley pastors committed to showing that the gospel is not just for that religious part of your life, but rather it's for all of life. You never graduate from the gospel. I'm Josh Bales, pastor of the Well Church, here with Russell Herman, pastor at Cloverdale United Reformed Church, Phil Moran, pastor at Christ Presbyterian Church, and Jonathan Van Hoogen, pastor at Spring United Reformed Church. Now, if you'd like to find out more about us or catch past broadcasts or get information about our annual conference, you can find us at ReformationVoice.com. All right, we are continuing through the Psalms today. Do you guys have any token banter you guys want to start the show with? <laughs> Anything funny or witty or... Well, I did notice off air that they were talking about Isaac Watts, um, Phil and Jonathan, and they were talking about Joy to the World, and I was curious about how that was received when it first came out. Yeah, we were contemporaries of Isaac Watts, <laughs> yeah. and, and so, yeah. <laughs> yeah. There was a moment I, I said, maybe you should, uh, you know, not paraphrase so much. <laughs> yeah. That, that's based on Psalm 98. That's why we were having the yes. conversation. Yeah. Sorry. We're, we're off air. We're figuring out which psalm we're going to next. But today we're going to Psalm 100. Super great psalm. You, Phil, you you said something about why we have to go to Psalm 100. Why why do we have to go to Psalm 100? Well, uh, around this circle, and uh, we're all, we all claim connection to the Reformed tradition. And, um, and of course, we're... None of none of us is saying that the Reformed tradition is the be all and the end all of uh, Christianity. Well, I am. Christianity. You yeah, okay, yeah. Well, yeah, I know you, I mean, do. you don't have yeah. you don't have to be Reformed to go to heaven, but uh, you might want to play it safe. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, I am just shaking my head. <laughs> but we are the Reformed tradition, and uh, this psalm, the tradition of singing this psalm, is deep. For whatever reason, is deep in the Reformed tradition. Uh, because it picks up on so many themes, and 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 probably it's deep in our tradition. Because this psalm uh, and uh, the 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 paraphrase hymn that came out of this, praise God from whom all blessings flow. Um, and many many Christians I have heard that called the doxology, um, and and some some hymn books it's called the old hundredth. Um, this was sung. In Calvin's Geneva, uh, it's it's uh, it's found with the same in, with the same tune. Do you know with the same tune? The old hundredth came out in 1551. Yes, it oh. was sung during Calvin's lifetime in Geneva. The the tune probably written by Calvin's musician, head musician, which was a guy named Louis Bourgeois, um, and uh, Reformed Christians, and not just Reformed Christians, but Christians have been singing this ever since. And it's just a wonderful psalm of worship. It's brief, uh, and so it lends itself to to singing the whole thing. Uh, but uh, as I said, uh, many Christians know the doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow. I won't, I won't offend the listener by trying to Thank sing you. it. Thank you. But you're welcome. <laughs> um, but anyway, that's the 100th psalm. I got to say, uh, I didn't know that little historical fact, but what a what a depth of meaning it brings to that song because you are instantly connected with um, hundreds of years of oh yeah of other of other Christians and churches all across the world mm-hmm. just by 
singing that song. Yes. Well, simply singing the psalms, we are connected with all, you know through the generations. You yeah. know, I mean, we're singing songs with the church from the Old Testament as well as into the New here and into this uh, in, into the this age. Yeah. So it's a beautiful song. This song, um, Psalm one hundred, is a title is has a superscription. Um, a song for thanksgiving, and uh, that's really the essence of this song. Uh, there are a number of things that we do in worship. You know, we're called to worship. There's confession in worship. We listen to God's word in worship. We sing in worship. But uh, and but this psalm is uh, particularly we give thanks in our worship service. Mm-hmm. That that title there, the the psalm for giving thanks or psalm for thanksgiving. That's the only time that's used in the psalter. Mm-hmm. So there's other psalms that have that are about giving thanks and about thanksgiving, but this is the only one that explicitly states that up front. There's a, there's a family in my church that has a tradition of reading the 100th Psalm together every Thanksgiving day mm. when they gather for their Thanksgiving meal in, mm-hmm. in November. What a wonderful tradition. What a wonderful tradition. I've used this psalm um, oftentimes uh, for a Thanksgiving Sunday where we've, you know, at that time of year where um, this is the psalm we're going to just focus on this uh, during the, that season of the year. Some, somebody needs to go ahead and read it. I think Russ should read this one. So Psalm 100, a psalm for giving thanks. Make a joyful noise to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us, and we are his. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him. Bless his name. For the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever and his faithfulness to all generations. Just a little trivia real quick before we jump into this. This was actually the first passage of scripture that I memorized as as a as a child, I have no idea. We never did this um, after we, but as a family, we memorized Psalm 100. I was not very old. I'd, I was yeah. very little. Um, and as far as I know, it's the only passage of Scripture that we collectively memorized as a family. Yeah. I have no idea why we did it, um, but this there's a little trivia yes. point for you. Thank you for sharing w- wor- that. Worthless <laughs> trivia, really. <laughs> No, that's wonderful, and and I don't and I don't know why, but this is the first psalm that I memorized mm-hmm. as a child. Well, I like the idea of the, of the collective thing too. I mean, if you're looking for short things to be able to do with your family around dinner time or, or whatever, this is only five verses long. And maybe mm-hmm. that was just a reflection of the intellectual level of my family. I mean, <laughs> five verses. There's some, there's some possibility. So one one thing I want to point out about the psalms in general, and then this psalm specifically, is that whenever God calls us to worship, sing to the Lord, you know, declare his glory, etc., come into his courts, um, he never does so without giving us a reason why. And this psalm perfectly shows yeah. that. So verses 1 and 2 are known as the imperatives. These are the commands. Mm-hmm. Make a joyful noise to the Lord uh, of uh, all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into his presence with singing. There's the imperatives. Um, know that he... That the Lord, He is God. It is He who made us. We are His. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. There's the Indicative. indicatives. Yeah. And so it's do this, sing because of this. Here's the reason. Right, yes. And so if you're if you're just looking at the Psalms in general, and you know I've talked to so many people about their just their 
their private reading time, and they have a, a difficult time connecting with the text. Well, here, here's the trick. Look at the command. Okay, here's the command, make a joyful noise. I'm not there. Why? Why should I make a joyful noise? Well, then, then there's the imperative. Because he made you. Well, you, you are his. You belong to him. You belong You're to him. You're the sheep of his pasture. You're right. There's, his always a, there's always a connection. You know, wh- hallelujah doesn't stand alone. You know, praise the Lord doesn't stand alone. There's always praise the Lord for his wonderful works. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that, that old contemporary song, you know, which is now ancient, let's just praise the Lord, it, it never goes to tell you why. And the psalm always goes to tell you why. That's right. That's right. And that's, that's, that's so important. God doesn't call us to a, a senseless worship. Mm-hmm. He calls us to a rational worship with, with all of our mind and heart and soul and strength. And, and, yeah, and, and when just to take a bit of a closer look at verse 3, know that the Lord, he is God. Um, and if, you've got, if, if, if you're looking at that in your Bible, you'll notice that in that sentence, Lord is all in caps. That's your tip off that the the Hebrew word behind that or the Hebrew name of God behind that is Yahweh, which is the holy name that God revealed to Moses at the burning bush, I am that I am. Mm -hmm. So when the psalmist says, know that the Lord, he is God. Mm -hmm. It's it's directly implying here that all of the false gods of the peoples, all of the false gods of other nations, they are not God. Mm -hmm. Only the Lord the Holy One of Israel, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He is God. Know that he is God. And then as it was indicated earlier, when you guys said, he made us, we are his. We belong to him because he made us. And from the Christian standpoint, we can say God owns us twice. Mm -hmm. God owns us by right of creation and also by right of redemption. Right. That when we were separated from God and held in captivity to sin, God redeemed us. God bought us back at the cost of the, the blood of his son. Mm-hmm. God, God, God redeemed us, and so we belong to him. We're his people. That's one of the most comforting truths that, that God owns us. There's an ownership yes. there. And this is why I love the Heidelberg Catechism. Question number one, what is your only hope in life and death? That I with body and soul, both in life and death, belong to my faithful Savior, Jesus yes. Christ. Those are some of the most comforting words. In- so we're going to cut that little clip out and <laughs> say, this is why I love the Heidelberg. <laughs> and just we're going to put that in our intro. We had a, we had a feud here. Uh, we had a war between the two <clears throat> confessions here a couple weeks ago. Yeah, and you noticed but they you did so when the here, three so forms contingency was lacking a member. <laughs> yeah. So unfair. Yeah. I did want to note on verse 3, it says, it is he who made us and we are his. In some translations of the Bible, you'll see that it says, it is he who made us and not we ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you look at that and you say, well, those aren't that close. Well, this is one of those times when a decision is being made in translation. The Hebrew word here is lo. Um, Typically, that means not. um, But sometimes it can mean to belong to. And so you have a choice that's being made here. Does it mean that it is he who made us and we belong to him, we are his? Mm. Or does it say it is he who made us not and we not we ourselves? Not we ourselves would be the traditional way to translate the Hebrew, the more natural way. Um, but this is one of those times where both actually work. Both yeah. fit the context. It could go either way. Um, 
and both are biblically supported. So you can sometimes you wonder, well, can I trust my translation? In this case, both are legitimate translations. Both are biblical mm-hmm. truths. Mm-hmm. And I don't know which one's right. I and, mean, and and the Hebrew is a more of a colorful language. Yep. It's a, a language of word pictures where. You know, when we get to the Greek, there's you know there's a lot more precision uh, to the um, to the interpretation in terms of you know this word only can mean this, whereas in the Hebrew that you're you're talking in word pictures. Mm-hmm. I did want to just note. I mean, Phil talked about the word Lord in verse three, um, and that's a covenant name of God. Um, and the Psalm ends with covenant language, mm-hmm. um, for the Lord is good. His steadfast love endures forever, and his faithfulness to all generations. And those two phrases, steadfast love Mm -hmm. and faithfulness, time and time again, really Exodus 34, they're revealed, but then those two phrases are connected um, throughout the rest of the Old Testament, steadfast love and faithfulness. and. Um, and since this since this is a perspective on thankfulness, the the perspective of why we can be thankful all the time is the fact that the Lord is good, and you know it's not flippant to say the Lord is good all the time. All the time, the Lord is good. That is a kind of a liturgical response, but that is that is the sense that you get from this psalm. We don't always we don't always perceive His goodness because sometimes we feel like we're going through a rough pa- patch. Um, but we need to understand that he is good all the time. Uh, and all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose. And it's because of his of God's goodness that that's true. Yeah, and that's seen chiefly in the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Yes. Um, who delivered us from our trespasses and saved us from our sins. On his body, our stripes have been laid out. And so um, if you are... Like I just think your exhortation yesterday, Russ, was so good. I mean, if you're in a season right now where you are struggling and you're trying to make sense of the world, um, come back to the Psalms. Uh, these these wonderful inspired poems and songs are, are what the people of God have always turned to in, in times of trouble throughout the, church, the history of the church. So we hope to see you next time on The Gospel for Life. 